guys, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my name is Clayton. Um, I get to work with BSM for the state of Texas, so I get to hang out with a lot of different BSMs across the state. So tomorrow I get to hang out with Aggie BSM. Um, so if you're an Aggie fan, I'll tell them you say hi. If you're not, then join the rest of us. Um, but with that said, um, my favorite place to be is this place. Um, Tarleton is by far my favorite campus. I didn't graduate from here, but I got here as quick as I could. Um, Things you need to know about me, I'm married. I have a wife named Bethany. I have four kids. Uh, Noah, who's a freshman in high school. Nate, who's a seventh grader. Sophia, who is a fourth grader. And Obi, who is four years old. Um, and that's just kind of who we are. And if you're just joining us, we're in week two of a series called Fresh Start, or 2021 A Fresh Start. Um, and it ended amazing how we thought 2021 would fix everything. And by... January 6th, there's a guy in a Wookiee costume on the Capitol. Um, so it didn't get much better. But, man, have you ever had one of those days where just it changed your life? Maybe it was a, maybe it was a good day. Well, let's talk about it. Your birthday was a day that changed your life, right? Um, your birthday probably also changed your mom's life, and your dad, especially if you're the firstborn. Any firstborn in the room? Okay. Um, any babies? Any middle children? There we go. Okay. One day, one day, you, you'll stick out middle kids. Um, so I, I can think through a day that changed my life was when we found out we were, uh, I, I say we, um, that my wife was pregnant with our oldest. Okay, and to kind of give you some context, it was kind of a buildup for this. Um, at the time, we were living in the Middle East. Uh, we weren't we weren't planning on being pregnant. That was kind of like one of those things, like maybe in like five, ten years. And it wasn't. Um, so we're in the Middle East, and we're learning Arabic, and we're learning the culture. Um, and Bethany's sick for some reason. And we're trying to figure that thing out. And she's like, I think I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I, okay, how do you know? Like, is, what's, what's the process for this? You know? Um, girls, if you're ever expecting, like, that you marry a, a man, and he all of a sudden is a man, that's not really true. We're all just basically overgrown junior high boys until about 30. Some of us, 35. Um, the problem is you don't know that until really you marry them. So it's, it's why you need to pray. You need a relationship with the Lord so you don't marry a loser. Okay? Um, but that relationship talk, that's another time. So I'm, at, I'm trying to figure out, it's like, what, well, how, how, do we, how, do we, how do we verify that you're pregnant? Um, and she said, well, you need to get a pregnancy test. I was like, okay. So where do you get a pregnancy test? And she said, I don't know, CVS. I was like, okay. Well, we're in the Middle East. They don't have those. And she's like, I don't know. You need to figure that out. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, tomorrow we're headed to, to Arabic class. We'll just ask our class, where do you get a pregnancy test? Right? I mean, that makes sense. Like, let's pull the audience and figure this out in the sum total wisdom, and we'll figure this thing out. And uh, she said, no, I don't want anyone to know. And I said, well, then how am I going to go get you a pregnancy test to figure out if you're pregnant or not? And she's like, I don't know. Figure it out. So guys, there's this really fun passage of Scripture in the Bible where uh, Peter, at this point, is, is later on in life. And he says, men... Live with your wives in an understanding way. 
And if you will tattoo that on your face or your wife's face so you can remember it, there's just times where the best answer is, as you wish, whatever you want. And so I hit the streets of the Middle East with very little Arabic trying to find out how do you say pregnancy test? Where do you find pregnancy tests? And let's face it, like, you can't just say, hey, you can't go to like Arabic class and say, hey, how do you say pregnancy test? I mean, for a friend, because they automatically know, right? And so I'm trying to figure out like two separate streams of people. How do you say the word pregnant? And how do you say the word test? Complete two groups. I had this planned out. I wanted to love my wife well. I wanted to figure this out. And some of you are thinking, idiot, why didn't you just Google it? That's how old we are. Okay? The Google Translate wasn't really a thing. Um, so I get the word for, for test. That's pretty easy, which is empty Han for any of you that are really worried about it. So I'm trying to find the word for pregnancy. And that's the word that you just can't ask somebody. Hey, how do you, I'm just, just, I'm just trying to build my vocab and pregnant's one of the really important words. You know, like bread, milk, pregnant. Like I just need to do the basics here. And so eventually someone starts talking about Christmas. I'm like, yo, oh, the Christmas. I'm like, oh, yeah, so how do you tell the Christmas story in Arabic? And so I'm thinking like, okay, good, we're gonna get the pregnant word. So the pregnant word for pregnant is hamel, okay? So imtahan hamel, or something like that, okay? So I get them together, I'm like, okay, and I know that there's like a pharmacy, so I'll go in there and I'll ask the pharmacist. And it's like a little mom and pop um, corner store kind of thing. And so I go in there and I'm, I'm working through my greetings and what I sound like in my head is, hey, how are you doing today? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, great, I was wondering, do you know where, like, if I, where I can get a pregnancy test? That's what I thought I sounded like in Arabic. What I sounded like in Arabic was, hi, me, Clayton, who you, test, pregnant, where? And uh, you could tell that he is being really gracious and kind and, and patient. Um, those of you that speak a second language, when you acquired your second language, if you had to learn it, know the shame of talking like a two-year-old in a human adult body. Um, and he just kind of sat there, and so I went through it a couple times, and he goes, oh, you mean pregnancy test? Yeah, I mean a pregnancy test. He said, oh, why didn't you just say so? And that's what he sounded like in English. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, brother, for two weeks, I've been trying to figure out how to say this. He said, you could have just asked. Thank you. <laughs> so we're pregnant. Um, day changed my life. And also, I learned an important thing. One, we're pregnant. Two, um, just try it in whatever language you have, and, and it may work out because I was stressing out about it. But if you ever had one of those days, probably not one of those days like I just described, but if you ever had those moments that you found something out and it changed your life, or maybe it defined your life, Maybe it was something really amazing and your dream was to always come to Charlton and you got the little box in the mail. Changed your life. Changed the trajectory of your life. Maybe it was when you moved to a new town. Maybe it was, um, well, actually, Blaine, Liberty, Saturday changed your life, right? You guys got engaged. I don't know if you're telling people, but y'all got engaged. You have those moments that change your life. 
It's what happens when you lose your place in your notes and you're frantically trying to find another description, um, another example. But how many, how many of us have been defined by those really beautiful moments in our life? And maybe it's at where you're born and, and knowing your parents and these things, but also some of us have had these moments that have changed our lives and it's been in the negative way. And we think through, all right, this was the moment. I remember where I was sitting when my parents told me they're getting a divorce. And I remember that clearly. And because of that, it's changed the trajectory of how I see relationships and how I have hope. Or it's the, the day that you discovered the addiction that you're in now and you remember that. And you're like, man, I'm, if I'd have just said no then, if I'd have just not got in that relationship then, if I'd have just known now what I know then, or just known then what I know now. There's these power, there's these moments that kind of shape and mold us and make us who we are. And some of them are really beautiful and some of them have been really destructive. And sometimes we can walk in those in a very negative way, and they can affect us and they can impact us. And some of those, let's be honest, some of those are, are things that we chose to do. It's like, this was my decision, and I'm suffering the consequences from it. And some of those are things that happened to us that we had no control over. And we live in that. And we were, we were passive recipients of it, and it's affected us. And whether it's, it's passive or it was active, we could come to this place today and say, man, I could really use a fresh start. I could really use a do-over. I could really use a mulligan. One of the coolest things when I read the Bible is over and over and over again, there are people that desperately need a fresh start. They desperately need a fresh perspective. They des desperately need, I need to rearrange my focus. I definitely need not a New Year's resolution, but a life resolution. I need a change. And over and over in Scripture, especially in the Gospels, which we're about to be, these people meet Jesus, and he just totally rearranges their life for the positive. And so when they look back 10, 15, 20, 30, 60 years later, they say, man, this was the day that changed my life. And the common denominator for all of them is this was the day that I met Jesus. And I think for us that are here and you're believers and you're followers of Jesus, you could probably trace a lot of the things that are beautiful about your life back to that moment, whatever that was. And you say, this was, I remember meeting Jesus and it's changed everything. So today we're going to take a quick glimpse at a story or a quick kind of snapshot um, of a woman in Mark 5. So if you've got your Bibles, flip them open or flip them on, we're going to meet Mark 5. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, we're about to talk toss the words up on the screen. Um, but one of the beautiful things about the Bible, if you're new to us and new to the Bible, your Bible is divided up into two parts, Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, Old Testament is the story of God working with people called Israel, how he created the world. He makes a lot of promises in the Old Testament. There's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament. Um, and then the New Testament is the fulfillment of a lot of those prophecies. It's the answer and the fulfillment of those promises. And that's where Jesus comes in. It's Jesus' birth. His perfect life, his miracles, his death on the cross, like Laramie talked about, death on the cross for forgiveness of our sins, resurrection from the dead, that we get to walk in a new life, like we read in Romans earlier with Blaine, and then kind of the birth of the church. And so Mark is one of these accounts of the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus said. And Mark heard these from Jesus' disciples. 
So this is a record of eyewitness accounts. We can trust what Mark says because it's historically accurate. We have the manuscripts to back it up. And there were people there that saw it and told Mark, and he wrote it down for us. So it's done. It's research that has happened. So Mark 5, this is what happens. So when Jesus again crossed over a boat to the other side, okay, a large crowd gathered around him until he was by the lake. Then one of the, yeah, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, a little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I need y'all to remember that because we're not going to get to that tonight. Okay, this story is fixing the pivot. Um, but if you're like, wait, wait, what happens to Jerry, Jairus' daughter? I want to know. Then read the rest of the story when we get done tonight, okay? Because we're not going to find out. Um, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And the reason we're not going to get to Jairus' daughter is 25. Because a woman who has been there and subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. We'll stop there for right now. Give you some context. A large crowd, Jesus is trying to get through the crowd to get to this house to heal this little girl. In the crowd is a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. All right, to give you some context, in different ways and different scholars and people that know this and the culture a lot better, essentially what's going on here is this woman has been on her period nonstop for 12 years. Guys, you have no idea what that means. All, a lot of you girls just kind of groaned, okay? Now, as uncomfortable and awkward and just rough as that is, from just a logistical standpoint, there was also some cultural things going on here that make this even worse. Because in this culture, when a woman was on her period, she was considered what is unclean. And so because of that, a woman kind of had to separate herself from everybody else. And if she had contact with somebody, then they were considered unclean. And so... For her to be in this situation for 12 years meant that she was always an outsider. She was always unclean. She was never accepted. Think through the isolation that she wrestles with. Think through the isolation that her family suffered from. The unclean girl doesn't get asked out, doesn't get married, doesn't have kids in a culture where this is highly valued. She is always on the outside. So that's her. The other thing going on is we have Jesus walking through a crowd, and the question is, what is it about Jesus? He just exudes this presence where she says, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Guys, think about this. What is, what is it about Jesus that when he goes somewhere, people would say, if I could just touch him, I'll be healed. 
If I could just get in his presence, this will get better. There's something powerful about Jesus. If you've been raised in the church and you've heard this name over and over again, or maybe you're exposed to cultural Christianity, sometimes the awesome power of who Jesus is gets dulled down to a drawing of a white guy with blue eyes and blonde hair in your children's Bible. But there is something about Jesus that she says, if I could just touch him, he will heal me. That is power, folks. That is awesomeness. There is something radical about who Jesus is. And so she shimmies through the crowd, which she shouldn't have done. Totally not the place for this. And she reaches up and she touches him and immediately she is healed. Jesus gives her a fresh start. Jesus gives her a fresh start. And if you're here tonight, you're like, man, I could use a mulligan. I could use a do-over. I could use a fresh start. I think the big idea for tonight is that fresh starts start with Jesus. If your fresh start starts with you working harder, it's going to fail. If your fresh start means I just need to make more money, it's going to fail. If your fresh start starts with I just need to be accepted, I just need to have whatever this is, so it will get better? The answer is it won't work because fresh starts start with Jesus. For 12 years, she's been living with this. For 12 years, she's been suffering. My question to you is, what are you suffering from? And it may not be a disease. It may be guilt. It may be shame. It may be fear. It may be anxiety. It may be depression. It's not just physical. What have you been suffering from? The thing that amazes me, it says that she went to many doctors and she suffered at the hands of many doctors and they took all that she had. Guys, some of us have suffered at the hands of other people and they've taken everything we have. They've taken our dignity, they've taken our self-confidence, they've taken our self-worth, they've taken our mental health. We just keep turning back to it. Turning back to it. <clears throat> Later on, Jesus heals a guy, and it's not of a physical thing, but it heals him of his greed. Because his identity was wrapped up in how much money he had. He said, Come follow me, and he leaves his tax booth. Heals a blind guy. Heals a guy named Zacchaeus who's super worried about social status. Some of us are addicted to social status. You may say, well, Clayton, I've always been this way. I don't, I don't remember ever a time that I've had this, not had this. I've not had this anxiety. I've not had this struggle. I've not had this negative self-talk. I've never had. I just can't remember a time where I've ever not been sexually active. For 12 years, this woman suffered. And she found her fresh start because she had the courage to work up and lean into the awkwardness and say, I need Jesus at whatever the cost. Because I'm going to go out on a limb and say there were other people who were sick in that crowd. And you know what? They didn't get healed. You know why? Because they didn't go to Jesus. 
well, this isn't the right place for me to accept Jesus. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk to him tomorrow. Maybe I'll catch him on his next trip, next trip through. But this woman got to a place where she was so desperate to get better that she said, whatever the cost, I'm going to find Jesus. If I could just touch him, if I could just have contact with him, it's enough to change all that I am. If I can just get a little bit of Jesus in my life, it's going to change a whole lot of me. What is keeping you from your fresh start? What is keeping you from experiencing the life and the joy and the peace that comes in a relationship with Jesus? A lot of us are so much more comfortable with our sin than we are going to our Savior. We've become comfortable with this condition of what I'm just always going to be this way. I'm angry because my family's angry. This is just the thing that we do. We're angry people. We've become so much more comfortable with the condition than trusting Jesus for the cure. Fresh starts start with Jesus. Have you got to the point? Have I gotten to the point? Have we gotten to the point where we'll say, I'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus because the answer is Jesus. The ailment, insert, this is the ailment. But the answer is always Jesus. So let's continue because it gets all, it gets fun from here, okay? So she reaches out and touches his, his coat, um, and she's immediately freed from her suffering. So at once, verse thirty. So once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him, and he turned around the crowd and he asked, "Who touched my clothes?" <laughs> it's poor disciples. Uh, you see the people crowding against you. This disciples answers, and yet you you can ask, "Who touched me?" This is the disciples' moment of like, really. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Okay, awkward moments brought to you by Jesus. She reaches out, she touches him. Now, guys, the question is, well, did Jesus know that she touched? Yes, Jesus knew. Jesus knew she was coming. One of the great things about being God is that you have eyes in the back of your head. Okay, he knows that she touched him. This didn't catch him by surprise. And he stops everything. And his poor disciples are always dealing with awkward moments by Jesus. He said, who touched me? Well, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Like, I'm touching you. Like, he's squishing me and he smells bad and I'm squishing you. Like, we're all touching you, Jesus. We're all going to get COVID after this. And he waits it out. You guys have been on that Zoom call where everybody's on mute and they ask a question and you're just waiting. This is the moment, okay, except it's in real life and you can't turn the video off. And everybody's looking around and you can feel it because this lady's off in the corner and she's starting to shake. Probably for two reasons. One, she's healed and she knows it. the same time, she's fixing to have to fess up. She comes trembling and she falls down before Jesus and she said, it was me. She tells him the whole story. And you've got to ask the question, why is Jesus so cool? Right? Some of you introverts and like, like, 
don't put me on, on the spot. People are like, that's the worst thing Jesus could ever ask me to do. Why did Jesus force her to do that? Why did Jesus create enough awkward space to lull her into this point that she's going to do this? Is he shaming her? Is he guilting her? Oh, no, no, you swipe my power and, and you pull the fast one on me. You're going to have to come fess up. Is, is this what Jesus is doing? I don't think so. In Revelation, it says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now imagine, she sneaks in, Jesus heals her, and she goes away. But imagine what happens in the crowd. She comes, she falls down trembling, and she said, Jesus, I, I, I've, been, I've been bleeding for 12 years, and, and I just knew if I could get to you, and I could just touch your garments, and, and I knew I'd be knew it'd be healed, and she's probably crying, and everybody's looking around going, what the heck? And then there's that moment she said, and I touched you, and I'm healed. And you know everybody within your shot, she's like, what'd she say? And they're hitting the person, she's healed, she's healed, this girl had 12. And so you start seeing this ripple effect, and within like 20 seconds, the whole crowd is going, Jesus healed this woman, Jesus healed this woman. You know so-and-so, she's been bleeding for 12 years, she's unclean, she's been clean. And it's running, and people are running out across the street saying, Jesus healed another person. We've never seen anything like this. And as the glory of God begins to be told in the streets and across the crowd, and this woman is weeping at the feet of Jesus. I mean, what a beautiful picture the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, which is another way of saying by God's salvation in our lives through Jesus. And this woman experienced, she overcame by the salvation that Jesus gave her physically in this moment. And the word of her testimony, what God has done. And then Jesus says this, he says, woman, daughter, sorry, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith in me has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, the NIV says, NIV says freed. A couple other translations uh, say uh, be healed. Uh, the King James Version, the Old English Version, says be whole. Like W-H-O-L-E, be whole from your suffering. Be apart, be complete, apart from your suffering. Now, my question to you is, why would Jesus say, be freed from your suffering, if we know four verses up, she was already freed from her suffering? Why would Jesus say, be healed from your suffering, if four verses before she'd already been healed? Jesus is giving her permission to live a clean life. Think about how ridiculous it would be for this woman to be healed from this moment and then continue to separate from the crowd because she feels unclean. How ridiculous for this woman to be healed but then continually be going back to doctors and spending her money and spending her time with bogus remedies that don't help her, that actually hurt her. How ridiculous would it be for this woman to be healed 
and walk around with the guilt and shame of I'm nothing but dirty and unclean. And what Jesus is saying is your faith has healed you, saved you, walk in peace, walk in freedom. Guys, how many of you, Jesus has saved you from your sins, but you still walk in isolation because of it? You still walk in the guilt and the shame of whatever, whatever you did, whenever, whenever you did it. How many of you have experienced freedom from whatever that sin is, whatever that lifestyle was, whatever that thought process was, and you keep going back to the people that you found value in before Jesus because you're still trying to validate yourself. Jesus' word to us is your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Live out your freedom. Christian, you have been healed. Be whole from your suffering. Be well from your suffering. Cease walking in your suffering. You need a fresh start. Fresh starts start with Jesus. But part of that means that we overcome by the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of Jesus, to wash away our sins, to extend forgiveness, to snuff out the shame, to get rid of the guilt, and bring peace and joy and rest. Times are refreshing. And then walk in that. But that comes also by the word of our testimony, saying this is what God did for me. Laramie's got a really fun story. I'm really grateful he didn't share all of it, partly because we'd be here till tomorrow morning, because God has done so much in that bro's life. But Laramie's not the exception. Look around this room, and each one of you can tell this. This was the moment I met Jesus, and this is what he delivered me from. This is what he saved me from. This is what he is saving me from. Are you here, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus? You say, man, I'm walking in this suffering. I'm walking in whatever this is, mentally, emotionally, physically. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're also walking in some suffering spiritually, because you're separated from him. Man, what does it take to say, you know what? I need him. I need a fresh start. What is it going to take for me to get to him? Because this is the new life that I need. This is the joy I need. And maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a while. And you've been healed, but you're still circling back to the shame and the guilt. You're still circling back to that crowd, trying to find fulfillment. And you're suffering much at their hands, as the scripture says. Or you're suffering because you've isolated yourself. Scripture says that we walk in the light as he is in the light. Talking about Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. What does a fresh start look like for us today? For some of us, it means I need to get to Jesus. I need new life. For some of us, it's I need to, I need to pull my head out of my spiritual butt and realize I've been healed and I'm walking like a sick person. I'm acting like a sick person. I'm isolating myself like a sick person. I've returned to those old thought processes and habits. 
Scripture says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to get back to what Jesus said he did in our lives and trust that. We also need the fellowship and the gathering of believers to hold us accountable for that. What could God do? That woman woke up and it was a bad day because she was in her suffering. And she went to bed that night healed and free. And the only difference between that day and the day before was Jesus. Could this be the day that we start a new trajectory? Could this be the day that you say, this is the day that I started new life. This is the day that changed everything. Because this is the day I let Jesus have whatever it is. Thank you for watching this video from the Tarleton BSM. If you have any questions, feel free to put them in the comments below or contact us at www.tarletonbsm.com. If you like this video, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM.